man, your hair's growing in. Oh, it, it grows so goddamn fast. That's why I wasn't worried about cutting it all off is because it, yeah, it just, it grows like uh, like some sort of weed on my head. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's coming in fast. I got to get my sides and back uh, trimmed up a little bit. Because um, yeah, I can, I can go, I can take everything off to the same length myself pretty easily. But you know, when it comes to actually like making it look like a haircut, that's a little bit more difficult. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lane. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. Yeah, I've cut my hair a few times and yeah, it's always been like, uh-oh. Okay, I did that now on this side and <laughs> now I have to go over here, but it's not looking quite right because I have like cowlicks all over the place and yeah. So now I just, I haven't had my hair cut in a long time. It's just been growing and growing because I just don't, I don't really have the patience to sit there for one thing. And, and the last time she didn't quite do what I wanted and that mm. I'm just going to carry that resentment around for a good year before I, I <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been the biggest thing, uh, is it's, it's been tough for me to find, um, it's been tough for me to find someone that kind of like, uh, executes well on what I want. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like it's hard to find people that know how to cut wavy or curly hair uh, decently. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I remember this one time when I went to go get a haircut and um, so just like kind of, kind of last thing is this woman's touching up the front. She like cut all the front down shorter than like the rest of oh. the middle of my head was. And I was like, no, 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 what is going on here? And then like, <laughs> of course, when I got home, I was just like, what the fuck was she thinking? Like, like cutting, why do you, would you, you're supposed to keep the front the longest. Right. Like, <laughs> unless you're really going, really is, it, is it the mullet that has that kind of style? Cause those seem to be around. I saw one of them the other day. That's a mullet. Yeah. Right? The fashion mullet thing is definitely back. Um, what's her name? Uh, there's this comedian named Sarah Squirm that I really like. Mm. Uh, she's definitely not for everyone. She has a lot of really gross. Uh, yeah. It, it, it just a very weird kind of like, almost body horror stand-up. Oh, it's, wow. it's like It's like Cronenberg stand-up. I don't know how to explain it better than that, but she's very, very funny. And um, yeah, so she's got like the fashion mullet. And then I saw uh, Angel Olsen recently did a 80s cover album and also had like the fashion mullet and the super cool like two-tone winged eyeliner and all that stuff on the front. Looks very Flock of Seagulls. Oh, Flock of Seagulls. I remember them. And I ran. Is that the one? That's the one. That's like Long shot, but did you uh, did you ever see them at Broken City when they came? Uh, geez, when would that have been? Two thousand four, five, probably. Um, I don't remember going to that gig. If I'm, if memory serves, I think I was on my radar. I don't know why I didn't go, but yeah. Uh, I was just curious because um, I will never forget that gig uh, mm -hmm. because they did the very very funny thing of both opening and closing with Iran. <laughs> Now that's a good one hit wonder, like self-awareness right there. It's just like, Absolutely. this is the song you're here for. So we're just going to give the people what you want. Exactly. <laughs> that Broken City too. That's like a pretty intimate venue. 
Mm-hmm. That must have been kind of fun, though. Oh, very much so. Yeah, it was a great, great gig. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a little frog in my throat today, so mm. I'm going to have to edit all these, uh, all these clearings out after. <laughs> um, I've been feeling a little bit that way, too. It's because the rains have descended, um, which is wonderful, and we need it. Um, but it tends to kind of activate my allergies a little bit, because the dust mites, for some reason, get more yeah. active in Vancouver. And so I get that kind of like... Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not too stuffed up today which is good though i'm glad about that but yeah still kind of recovering from a rather intense weekend mm-hmm. yeah um my sister's here now which is wonderful oh right yeah yeah she arrived on wednesday um so uh we got to hang out a little bit this weekend and Osvaldo's sister with was the first two days with uh with her nephew and mm-hmm. so uh, we went to the Vancouver Art Gallery and saw um, the Svaldo show, and that was really exciting. Um, and walked around the seawall and did kind of like semi-touristy things, and that pretty much did me in. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just am not, I'm not ready to be around crowds or a lot of people, and that was just yeah. hard for me. And, you know, everybody was doing the right thing and masked up, and that was great. Um, but I had a coffee in the afternoon. Which was a major mistake, and uh, so I didn't sleep like mm. that night very well. And I was really grumpy and just wasn't a good scene for anybody. So that was like one of my major wake-up calls. It was like, okay, coffee, especially in the afternoon, it, it definitely affects my mood. It affects my stomach. I get headaches. I get cranky. I can't sleep. So maybe I just won't do that for a while and see how it goes. So this is day three of no coffee for me. Um, I've switched to this stuff called Akava in the morning. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like a Polish coffee substitute, and it's delicious. No. Um, it just, it's wonderful. Uh, so the only thing is I've had kind of headaches for the last couple of days, and it takes me a lot longer to get going in the morning. Just caffeine withdrawal, you think, on the headache front? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's just been kind of like, I've just sort of been in this kind of processing state, but just kind of recovering just because it's a lot to just sort of... Um, show up and be around people and people you haven't seen in a long time like and my stepmother was here and it was great to see her and catching up with her and it was just a lot so I was just kind of like staring at the wall yesterday almost catatonic just like (laughs) help I just need time to just be by myself how about you and it it's tough to do that, I'm sure, with uh, with a house full of people too. So well, we just we just had um, uh, Oz's sister and his nephew here, and that was it. And it was just two days, so it was really quick. Um, but yeah, um, Liz is absolutely stoked because I am like of the rock star sister who found her an amazing place close to the university um, for nice. like dirt cheap rent, and there's even like a cleaning thing that happens there like every week. So. She doesn't have to worry about like arguing over whose turn it is to clean the bathroom or any of those kinds of things that can happen with roommates while you're in school. Um, so I'm just really thrilled for her. It's really close to Pacific Spirit Park, so she can go running. And um, and she's only like 10 minutes away on the bus from us, and so we'll be able to see lots of each other. Nice. But yeah, it, it does take a while to kind of come down after you've sort of been in that kind of mode, you know, family mode, mm-hmm. and how's everybody doing, and... Yeah, seven-year-olds have their own way of doing the world, and, like, that's always fun. I mean, you must yeah, get a little definitely. bit of that with your sister's kids, right? Yeah, um, I see, I saw my nephew last week for a little bit, um, and, yeah, it's it's funny how much he reminds me of myself at that age, mm. uh, and, you know, like, kind of, um, yeah, uh, it, it, I, I see a lot of myself in him, um, and, and that's funny, too, because, like, you know, he can... 
he can be a little bit much in the same way that I can. He just like gets excited and, and wants to talk about whatever thing that he's interested in mm-hmm. kind of to anyone who will listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, uh, so, you know, trying to, trying to kind of find that, that balance of like, um, honoring the way that people show up, um, while at the same time mm-hmm. trying to be like, okay, you know, like you got to recognize social cues and things like that too, in, in different situations and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. um, yeah, uh, so I was curious about something. Mm-hmm. Um, when I texted you to set this up, uh, you said that this would be a good idea because you wanted to get out of your head. What have you been in your head about? Um, well, you've noticed the world, right? <laughs> the world that's happening that we're living in? <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so that is, I think, a pretty major part of it. And I, I brought this up, I think, last week as well, just feeling this kind of like... Um, dread a little bit like where we're going as a society and like how people are so pitted against each other and so opinionated and um everybody's just out in this kind of like individualistic gong show and not everybody and I'm I'm really striving to look for the people that aren't that way and they're all they're all around if you look for them but I know that um but yesterday was just I didn't know that yesterday was like official grief day or something and I found that out like right before I went to bed Otherwise, I would have maybe shared something about it. But I think it's, like, from the States. You know, there's, like, a day for everything these days, donuts or whatever. But, like, grief um, has all these different types, right? So I feel like yesterday was maybe just me kind of feeling that a little bit. Like, I've been moving through the grief of the ADHD discovery um, and everything that kind of comes with that. But then on top of that, like, grieving um, what I once believed was a um, a society that was moving forward in a just way and now I don't see that as much so it's hard for me to to have faith um so I think that's a like it was it was pretty existential yesterday and you know like I went for a walk down by the water which is usually a really soothing um exercise for me and I love it you know and there was some graffiti that was like very stolen land oh this is like super duper stolen land because it's like the super bougie posh houses and and point gray right on the water right um, and then I passed by where this former, it was like, I think it was like a duplex or a fourplex and it was this beautiful building. It was like this burnt orange kind of, um, I don't know what that kind of like nubby sort of like out exterior is. Stucco? Stucco. Thank you. And it was a gorgeous, um, residence. Um, and we used to walk by it and there's like a little local library there. And sometimes I would think, wow, cause they had a beautiful garden. It was absolutely stunning. It's leveled. Like it's gone. Wow. Like, and it wasn't even that old, and it's just gone. And they're gonna put up some ugly McMansion there, and somebody's gonna pay ten million dollars for it, and it's gonna be a corporate investment or whatever the hell is going on right now. But it's just like that. Just really gutted me. I was just like, come on, man. <laughs> like, can't you just like let a house stand? Um, why does everything have to get torn down and like? re-optimized and like it just and I know it's been happening for years and I saw something yesterday on Twitter that you know 20% of residential real estate in this country is now corporate owned and it's and that, those numbers are going up and and that just mm-hmm. scares me you know I just feel like where are people gonna live like if everything yeah yeah it, it's definitely like that's the pattern that's been been going on for a while and what's scary is in the states it's it's companies like BlackRock that are actually involved in in buying up all that rental or all that housing to uh, rent out mm. um, and yeah you know like uh, there's just 
there's hmm, I'm, I'm I'm trying to say I'm trying to figure out a way to say mm-hmm. that that BlackRock renting your house to you is worse than an individual renting your house to you without going to bat for small rent or, or mm-hmm. small uh, uh, landowners because that's not like great either. Um, but at the same time, you know, like at least you can get a human on the other end of that stuff if something goes wrong. Where it's just like mm-hmm. there's just that kind of that kind of algorithmic impersonality that comes along with with doing anything at scale and especially doing anything at scale, you know, in the name of purely profits. Like it's just it's all it's always going to lead to a worse situation you know it's 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 not to say that like you know you can kind of draw a similar analogy with like small business owners where um a lot of a lot of small business owners run their businesses like petty tyrants they're like Mm. not there's this myth of like the kind yeah tyrants whatever i i I, uh yeah i guess it's tyranny and tyrant ah Um, got it get those kind of mixed up (laughs) but um but yeah you know like like there's a lot of a lot of uh a lot of small business owners, like, there's this idea of the small business owner as, like, this paragon of virtue somehow and kind of, like, the little guy bringing jobs to the community and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And that's true sometimes, but not a lot of times. But then it's – I feel like it's much more likely to to, to, to get that kind of understanding um, or, or just that, that – whatever just just being able to talk to people that kind of personal personality i guess is not the right word but mm. um yeah it, it's still there and it's still more present than it is in just kind of like a total black box corporate scenario so yeah yeah um as Otto shared with me and i'll ask him to to link it to me so that maybe i can send it to you it was an open letter written to the founders of airbnb mm. um and really strongly advising them to get back to what they had actually started with, which was, you know, a couple dudes like who couldn't make rent, who um, set up a couple air mattresses in their place and set up some coffee or whatever. Um, and, and that was the start of it. Like that's what it was supposed to be. And now it's, you know, you have people like buying up properties and like strictly using them as Airbnb vacation mm-hmm. rentals or whatever, a really good article. So I'll ask him to send it to me. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. He's trying to tell me something. He's actually here. He's not usually here when we're recording. He's mouthing words over at the kitchen table, but <laughs> he's shy. He's not going to come over and say it. Um, but, uh, pardon me? $8 billion. $80 billion. Jesus. Like, isn't that just obscene? Right? Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, we're, um, I'll send you that article. Maybe we can put it in the show notes so people are curious about that. One more thing to get outraged about, I guess. Um, but it is kind of like the ADHD thing. Like injustice is just like, it's it's visceral. Like I just yeah. like feel it in my body and sometimes I lose sleep about it. And yesterday was one of those days where I was just like, like I, I literally, I saw this like beautiful house was gone. And then I kept walking down the same street and four more of the same things. And there was nothing wrong with those houses. They were not dilapidated. They were not neglected. They were beautiful homes gone because somebody wants to put up, I don't know, whatever. Right. And it's not even like they're putting up, you know, rentals or anything because God forbid there should be more rental in Kitsilano. Um, But yeah, it's just, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. I was just going to say it. It's one thing if you're knocking down a building like that because you're going to replace it with a more dense high rise apartment building or something mm. so that there's, you know, more units in that same sort of uh, uh, square footage. Um, but yeah, like, you know, knocking down multi family units to put up one big McMansion or whatever. Obviously, that's not the way that we should be going. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's, 
it, it's what's interesting though is that you know it's like it's not necessarily that putting in more dense housing in that spot would solve the problem though because of of what we've just talked about with you know um large scale landlords buying this stuff up anyway like mm-hmm. how many how much rental housing is sitting un unused right now in Vancouver like a lot no oh, because um, most of it is and, out of people's reach like the rental housing that is getting, getting built is you know quote market rental so we're looking at like one bedrooms that start at $2000 a month yeah and and so it's not in a way it's not so much a supply problem as it is yeah like the 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 supply just being priced out of people's range Mm -hmm. so you know um but yeah that that's my own sort of personal like uh uh architectural beef these days is Mm -hmm. is just all these identikit buildings that we keep seeing pop up that are all they've all got the same facade where it's like um that kind of uh dark gray stucco and then that brushed steel um kind of uh Mm. i don't know framing i guess you'd call it and then yeah it's just it's just all every single new condo building uh mixed retail slash rental space all of these kinds of things that have been popping up in downtown all the stuff that's on 17th now Mm. a lot of the new buildings in inglewood they all look exactly the fucking same and it's ugly it's just dog shit design in my opinion yeah and i can't believe that that's like where we decided that like yeah this should be what everything looks like now (laughs) that's just really sad when i think because i loved inglewood that was like the last neighborhood i lived in before i moved to vancouver and it was kind of precious you know like there was like all these beautiful old sandstone buildings and it was really walkable wonderful little like small little houses you know people that had worked for the rails you know for the chicken plants or the railway or whatever like the street that Mm -hmm. i lived on on new street it was like management and owners of the rail lived like on the river side and then the workers lived on the other side and I lived on the other side but it was like you could still at that time have a house and like you know like our landlords um they were wonderful people and they had this duplex and they lived on one side and they rented out the other and they were like like hugely active in the community and like they were musicians and they looked out for their neighbors and when the woman next door when her when her husband died, they took care of her, you know, like that feels like community to me. And so that's like exactly to your point, like when somebody is like a local landlord and they, they are invested in the community, it's a completely different experience than like somebody who's, you know, just collecting your rent online and you never see them in person and mm-hmm. and and things are somehow like, how can you describe somebody's or how can you like dictate someone's life through an algorithm and how they're going to live like that's so messed up right um and but we've all kind of like sort of bought into that you know like the the whole scale thing and um it's funny because do you, do you follow the nap ministry on instagram nat ministry nap no. as in like taking naps a nap. no um they're an artist uh, based out of Atlanta. She's a black woman. She's amazing. And I, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name right now. If I find it, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for sure. Um, but her whole thing is like, oh, no, I am not going to like forego my rest for your fucking algorithm. I'm going to go take a nap. I don't care how many people like this. <laughs> you know, just like it is time for me to rest, right? And I just... Oh, sorry about the siren. Um, That's okay. I just really appreciated that kind of approach. And she's somebody who's been actively involved in community for 20 years. She's been doing poetry readings on the street. She's been doing art installations. This is not somebody who just like showed up. 
on Instagram. She was actively doing this stuff for years before that. And she's in an HBO documentary that um, I really mm. want to see too. Um, but yeah, that I, that idea that just grind or die, always showing up, always, you know, personal branding. This is me with my like really pretty matcha latte and my perfectly coiffed hair and my manicure. And it's Tuesday. Rise and grind, bitches. Fuck off. <laughs> um on on that note that kind of like uh not wanting to kind of play into the um yeah i, I guess like the rat race of socials and all that stuff hmm. um something that i saw yesterday was that um etsy is changing how their uh how their how their search algorithms work um so a lot of sites like ebay etsy blah 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 have um basically seller rankings. So, mm. you know, kind of the more, the, the longer you've been on the platform, the more reliable you are in terms of like how fast you ship, um, you know, what, your, your feedback level, all that kind of stuff, um, all factors into your search ranking as a seller. Mm -hmm. um, and something that Etsy is changing uh, is that they're making it so that um, response times to messages and all that stuff factor in now too. So basically, if you want to keep on top of your your kind of if if you, if you already have good status because you're a good seller on there, um, you're gonna have to pretty much answer contacts every day to stay on top. Wow. Of you can't take a Saturday off. You can't take a Sunday. You got to like answer these things within 24 hours when they show up or else it penalizes your search ranking. And you know, like it doesn't factor in what the message is. I mean, if, if I responded to all the messages I got on eBay, like I wouldn't have time because it's just like half, half the messages I get are people asking for information that's already in the listing. The other mm. half are people offering me 30% of the list price for something. And it's just like, <laughs> Why, why, why should I fucking waste my time, you know, responding to these people so that, uh, so, so that the algorithm won't flush me down to the bottom of, of the search rankings? Like, it's, it's just crazy that, you know, they expect everyone to kind of be fully staffed 24 seven. Like they, they apparently think there's no such thing as like a, a, a sole owner proprietor operation right. and if there is well that person shouldn't be able to take a day off ever <laughs> and yeah it's just everything is kind of going that way it's 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 ludicrous it makes me crazy yeah it's really it's really unsettling it's just like if you want to if you want to be okay financially you just have to work seven days a week and i just i don't buy into it and, and you know how i feel about that and like mm -hmm. um reading devin price's work has just been like putting like ointment on my skin, like after a burn, like it just really soothes me, you know, to know that I'm, uh, I'm not, um, out of line for thinking the way that I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, and also like the, the ADHD side of this is like that I'm very easily influenced by my environment. So if I'm in an environment that is um, filled with workaholics, that's filled with people that don't know what an eight-hour workday is, um, then I will adapt as best as I can and I'll mask what's really going on in order to try desperately to fit into that, to belong, to you know, hang on to a job, whatever it is. Um, so that's just really, really damaging. So like this whole year for me has been kind of like unraveling a lot of that, like thinking like, you know, like in my former job, just like, even trying to create like an eight hour boundary was somehow like I wasn't being a team player. And I was like, what? Um, but you know, like, 
it just really makes me think like it's it's beyond just being neurodivergent you know it's just like it's just really inhumane um that people are being expected to do that in order to just just exist in our system and um yeah, it, it, it really does break my heart because I, I know there's ways through it and I see people doing it. I see people that are living more on their own terms, that are creating businesses that um, that that treat their their people incredibly well. I see Shani Nicholas doing it with her horoscope app. Like her job postings are like, like a master class in what it would be like to work for a really amazing organization. They have like... Um, not not just mental wellness days or mental health days, um, but for people that menstruate, they have like moon time days. Like if you're having a really bad day and it, you know, take the day off, right? Like no questions asked. Um, and I just think that that's, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, mm-hmm. And and so I know that there are people doing it, which gives me a little bit more hope to see that um, being like actually in action and paying people well yeah. too. It's not like, <clears throat> Oh, we have a lovely work environment, but we're going to pay you $12 an hour. Sorry. It's not like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I started, um, finally after, after, uh, Devin has come up on the show so many times, I started following them last week on Twitter. So yeah, I've seen, uh, it'd been ni- nice to see some, some stuff from, uh, from Devin on the timeline. So yeah. yeah. And, and they're writing a new book, right. Which I'm, and they talk a lot about ADHD in it because they were diagnosed with autism, um, as an adult mm-hmm. too. So I'm really curious to, to read and hear more about that too, just because I love the way they, they do the world, you know, I'm just a big fan. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what else is going on with you? Well, um, nothing too much. Uh, I got my, my check cleared for that bit of work that I did so I can talk about it publicly now, which is that, um, I did my first bit of paid audio production work, uh, recently. Mm. Um, so yeah. So if you hear my beautiful dulcet baritone interrupting your Spotify listening, uh, talking about car washes, that is in fact me. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll post something once, uh, once that's actually fully live, but, um, yeah, so you know that that's been really positive and encouraging in terms of like, um, you know, because that's that's something where when I when I talk about feeling unqualified to do things, mm. like that might be the most kind of textbook where it's like I'm I don't have any real sound engineering knowledge, I don't have um, you know like any real marketing experience. Mm. Um, I've done copywriting, but never as like my official position kind of thing. Um, and so it was nice to just like you know. Uh, be able to, so basically I, I wrote, produced and did voiceover for this car wash ad. Um, and for like a, a pretty big agency in town and, and like a national client. Um, so, you know, like it's, it's a relatively big deal, I so guess. And it's just nice deal. to, <laughs> thank you. Um, and it's just nice to have that right out of the gate as like my first client I can point to, mm-hmm. to say like, Hey, well, these people think I'm good enough to do it. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's been, that's been positive and, and I'm excited to kind of like chase down more of that kind of work, um, doing audio production of whatever kind for people, um, as well as, you know, like doing something like this where it's just like, okay, you want to start a podcast and you don't want to do all the boring parts of it. All you want to do is show up once a week and talk for an hour, like 
pay me and I will do the rest of that stuff for you. Right. Like, I'll do the, the, the edits and the transcription of blah, 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 as long as, you know, I'm getting compensated for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so that's been really positive. Um, we're headed into September. So I'm putting together my curriculum for uh, my improv class that's coming up. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we got a new Patreon subscriber this week, which is great. Um, yeah. So shout out, shout out Lindsay B., my friend. Um, and yeah, Lindsay and I were actually having a conversation about last week's episode. And I wanted to kind of bring some of that to you because I thought it was super interesting. Sure. Um, so one thing that Lindsay pointed out that in retrospect was a total like head slapper that we absolutely should have done was last week, what we should have done is put out a call to our listeners and said, hey, how do you get out of anxiety spirals? What sort of things do you <laughs> mm. do or watch or or kind of, um, you know, consume, for lack of a better word, to to kind of help get out of that stuff? Because, um, yeah, that's just like a really obvious call to action that we should have thought of. But, <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Lindsay. Um, and then the other interesting thing that she brought up was um, when we were, because she was, uh, we were talking about, I mentioned the soap cutting videos uh, mm. last week and something that she brought up that I thought was really, really interesting was grids um, and, and about how she finds uh, things, things with grids involved, very soothing to look at. Um, she pointed me to this one Instagram account. That's a lot of like, 3D renders of fancy bathrooms and pool spaces and stuff like that. And they're always like done in those really kind of um, those small scale, like inch square grid tiling things. And there's just something very like relaxing about kind of looking at all of those orderly lines. And I thought that that was Hmm. really interesting, both as kind of like, you can, you can abstract one out to like that maybe being a pattern recognition thing, but I really do think that she's on to something with the, um, with the grid thing, because mm. I, after we had that conversation, I was thinking a lot about all the different artists that I like and the kind of things that I really enjoy seeing, the kind of art that I've bought for my home, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of it is based in, in geometry and things like that wow. and kind of like this kind of grid-based compositions. And I thought that that was really interesting. So That is really interesting. I hadn't really, I had, yeah, I hadn't given that any thought. Maybe that's why sometimes when I look at my wall calendar, it's quite soothing for me. Like all the little squares, maybe? My, my big laugh about that was like, Jesus, is this why I like Excel? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Like, is, is, this, is this why I like spreadsheets so much? Is because it's just a bunch of little squares? <laughs> yeah, and Airtable, like you were like a master at that, right? So that totally makes sense to me. They, that there's patterns and there's like a kind of like, there must be something very engaging to the eyes or very reassuring in that, like in the, in the predictability of it. Yeah, the consistency and the orderliness. Yeah. Now I'm just going to sit here and stare at my calendar because I've got to start updating it for September. <laughs> so I have to, I have like one of these like dry erase ones. So every month I wipe it yeah. all off and then I start over. Um, but yeah, oh boy. That is such a cool thing. I hadn't known if you want to like maybe post that in the show notes about that, whatever that Instagram account is, because I totally want to check mm-hmm. that out. Because that is one of the things I'm doing too, is just kind of like steering my attention to things that are more soothing and um, feel better for me. And so just curating my socials more um, with more intention, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have not been around Twitter much because it was just... It was actually terrifying. There was a day last week when I looked at it and I was like, no, <laughs> I can't. 
that. It's closed it. Just haven't really been back much. Yeah. I know you're still kind of doing it, but Oh yeah, I'm still I'm still in there, but um what I'm what I've been doing for my own sake is like largely um largely just focusing on jokes. Mm. Uh, like like talking about Naked Gun last week and how it was like, okay, let's leave the politics out of it. Let's leave this and that out of it. Let's just go pure jokes. And yeah, I had one of these things a couple days ago where I was just, I found myself like super fucking annoyed by this one person's posting mm. because again, they like, it's, it's something that uh, they're a person that usually has a lot of interesting things to say and that's still true, but you know, there's also like a lot of like, kind of just like really navel gazy kind of <laughs> stuff on there. And again, that that's not a problem. It's their fucking Twitter account. Of, like that of is the place where if you're going to post navel gazy shit talking about yourself, like that's that's where it should be. Right. But then I was just like, well, why am I why am I getting, you know, cranky about about seeing this kind of dumb shit over and over again? <laughs> like I made the choice to follow this person. Right. I've made the choice to keep this person's stuff in my feed. Like this is this is on me. And so I just like, oh, yeah. Um, and so I basically went and just like I just muted a bunch of people for a while um yeah. the people that kind of post a lot about politics people that kind of post a lot of like a, a lot of you know the quote tweet dunk stuff mm. um a lot of like hey look what this fucking idiot said <laughs> um yeah. you know so, so, so i muted a lot of that kind of stuff and i've just had been having a much more pleasant experience of of just kind of like yeah just just doing kind of what I wanted to do when I got on that app, which is open it and have a laugh and then close it after five minutes, you know, when I'm off the toilet or whatever. Right. <laughs> There's an image. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, yeah, you're definitely uh, giving me some good cues there because I'm, I'm still going to keep it blocked on Tuesdays, but then maybe I'll just kind of come back into it and maybe just like the things that really are interesting to me, just kind of start following that and... Um, you know, like the hearing loss stuff, maybe just kind of uh, only a couple of the ADHD accounts instead of that sort of being the whole feed. Because when, like, when something takes off, as you know, in the ADHD community, it really takes off and people oh, really, yeah. really have strong opinions. And, um, and it's good to know, like, you know, of course, I love what Renee Brooks is doing on there. And um, she, I'm a huge fan, but uh, sometimes people are quite rough on her. And I'm just like, hey, back off. Like, she's like, giving us her time and her and her knowledge don't be an asshole mm -hmm. you know like anyway that's my opinion about that <laughs> um and i'm you know i'm getting more um active on linkedin because i'm looking for more part-time work and contracts and stuff so um that's been it's actually been pretty good like uh i logged in there yesterday and noticed that my old manager had liked something that i that i posted you know about getting into that program at sfu and i'm nice. excited yeah. and nervous about um because uh, I went back and I read my application. I was like, oh, I said that? Really? Hmm. I'm always surprised when I read something I wrote. I forget everything I put on the page. And I'll go back and read something and I'll be like, this is kind of good. Who wrote this? I'm like, oh, I did? Holy shit. Like, it surprises me every time. I have no connection to it. It's like I don't remember putting those words into a sentence. Do you, mm -hmm. Does that happen to you too? Totally. And, and what's really interesting about that is... Um, so... Something that I find for myself is that there are a lot of situations where I would benefit from uh, putting some sort of pause into the creation process. 
um, you know, where it's like, if I've got a thing to write, uh, if, it, if it's going to come out, if I want a piece to come out on a Friday, my typical thing would be to sit down Thursday and write that. Mm. Um, where what I really should be doing is like, I would like to write that thing Monday and come back to it on Wednesday or Thursday with fresh eyes and kind of like, look at it and be like, okay, well, this is, this is better than I thought. Or like, ha ha ha, what was I thinking Mm -hmm. with this part? That doesn't make any sense. Mm. Um, but because of like, you know, trouble getting started, procrastination, um, that kind of, uh, feeling like you got to one up yourself every time that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that kind of stuff makes me usually delay doing the actual creation of something until the last minute. Mm. Um, and so that's another kind of piece of advice with like music production too, is, you know, when, when you're, when you're tired of working on something, don't, don't push yourself through it. Just like put it away, take a, take a couple hours, take a day, whatever, and, and come back to it with a different set of ears, mm-hmm. um, instead of trying to like punish yourself to create just because. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that like, I got to figure out more strategies for kind of conscientiously building that, I guess, reflection time, for lack of a better phrase, mm. into into the creation process, because I think that it is really a useful, um, a useful thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I know that there's a lot of writing that I have been wanting to do. And then, of course, you know, um, it's just been too busy lately for me to even get any time alone to, to do that. But um, this week is just me, about me redoing my resume and updating LinkedIn and, you know, getting getting that cash money in the door kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do. After reading um, Jen Pasteloff's book too, on being human, uh, when she talks about like, like we need your story. And you know, that's been said in different ways over the years, but I think it's really important for me to remind myself of that because especially if I'm reading more than, and I haven't been writing much. We've talked about this, right? Being writers, not writing, right? That's also from Jen Pasteloff. But like, um, Mm. I... I just really feel that these days just kind of like, okay, there's these stories that like have just been kind of like spinning around in my head. But at the same time, my stepmother and I were having, we went out for dinner on Sunday, had this wonderful meal outside, of course, all safe and everything. But um, she was telling a story about when I was a teenager and what I, you know, that was difficult, right? Of course I was, <laughs> right? I was a really like, yeah, I was, I was probably quite rough to deal with. Um, but so much of, what I remember and what she remembers, of course, are different, right? Like she remembers like a weekend where uh, my friend Catriona and I were insisting on going to this party somewhere in North London. And we lived um, kind of far away from there at the time. And my dad was out of town on some work thing. And she's like, no, you're not going because your dad's not in town. I don't want you to go. And that's not how I remember that. I just remember her like denying me access to like the social groups where I felt safe and wanted to be around, right? So I, I remember I went out anyway and got like blind drunk and threw up, <laughs> threw up everywhere. And, but it's interesting how her memory of that is different. So when I think about writing, sometimes this is the point that I've been trying to articulate is lately I've been questioning my own memories of things. So mm, I get mm. excited about putting something on paper and then, and, and then I say to inside to myself, did that actually happen? Did it even happen the way that I thought that it happened? Am I remembering, like, because I remember... So many minute details of of things. Um, I can remember how something smelled. I can remember um, what season it was. I can remember what the trees were doing. I can remember, um, you know, things that I touched. But am I remembering the situation accurately? 
And maybe that's part of what's been stopping me. Um, mm. Because even my stepmother, she was talking about how they used to have this little dog. And he was, he was, this dog was an asshole. There's no question. They all know it. They all said he was, you know, he was a McDonald. He's stubborn. I'm like, oh, it's more than that. This dog's an aggressive little prick. Um, anyway, so <laughs> um, he had at one point had been staying with um, uh, my stepmom's mom, like my, like my sister's Nana, right? And who's older. She's in her nineties now. And at some point he had kind of like tugged too hard on the leash and she fell and broke her finger. The way that I, oh, wow. I remember that story though, is that it was my dad mm. who had been injured by the dog and had broken his leg, which never happened. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's just interesting. Yeah. I saw, I yeah. saw you some taking some notes on that. Cause do you find that happens? Too? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. There's there's a weird corollary that because um, this actually happened to me yesterday. Um, I don't know if this happens to you, but uh, it's not so much misremembering a memory as adopting other people's memories or stories as your mm. own, especially if it's something that you've heard a lot of times and it's just like a really little quick thing. Um, so yesterday, uh, the Clash song "Rock the Casbah" came oh, up. Love that song. And um, yeah, it's a great song. And and my my immediate thing was like. Oh yeah, I used to work with this guy that thought it was Rock the Cash Bar. Ha 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 ha, what a dummy. And then I was like, no I didn't. That was my friend Andy's story. He worked with that person. I've never met this person. I've just heard that story so many wow. times in the past 20 years of our friendship. Like, you know, as, as like a funny little anecdote that I like reflexively told this story as if I had lived it. And I was like, no, that's, that is not a part of my experience. But it's, mm -hmm. you know, in, in the same way where... um you know, the, the idea of, of childhood memories is really tricky for me because I have a dog shit memory, period. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I don't actually so much have memories of childhood as I do recollections of photos of me as a child that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of like imagine myself in those scenarios. But what I'm really remembering is the photographs. I don't have the kind of firsthand memory there. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a kind of interesting like parallel there to kind of... Um, yeah, just 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 not not being sure what's you and what's other people sometimes, yeah. Or, or yeah, just whether you've got all the kind of uh, all the facts straight. Yeah, that's so true. I, I yeah, I think there's been stories that I I have told, um, and then realized that it was yeah, they were my friend Holly's story that I had somehow like taken on because it was like a hit at parties to tell that story or whatever. I don't right. even know why, right? <laughs> it's just like you make people laugh. It's like, ah. Right, but um, that's such a good point. And I don't know if that's an ADHD or a neurological thing because we're so porous, right? Like our boundaries are so uh, <laughs> hard, to, hard to grow and hard to maintain um, that, you know, especially if it's somebody that we really, really vibe with and their stories really resonate for us. It's not necessarily that we're... Um, uh, what's the word when you um, plagiarize? It's not really plagiarizing. I was going to say stealing valor. Right, stealing valor. <laughs> but like, you know, plagiarism in academic settings is, you know, ground for sure. expulsion with good reason, right? And it's not like I'm copying mm -hmm. and pasting somebody else's life. It's just that there's some emotional aspect of that story that feels like mine, right? And um, yeah, that's just such a good point. Uh, so when it comes to storytelling, and it's interesting that I decided to study journalism where it's all about <laughs> facts, because like half the time there was like things that I wouldn't get quite right, because I was always more interested in the like the spaces in between the facts, like the nuance in between what people were saying and what they really meant, what was going on in the room, how were they holding their body, did they look 
um, upset? Were they comfortable? Like, and I, you know, I never did hard news and I'm, I couldn't have handled that. There's no way I would have been able to do that. But, um, it's just, yeah, just thinking about that, like, and I, I, I don't remember who said it, but somebody said, yeah, there's a lot of people that move from journalism into fiction or into the arts because they're more interested in the truth than facts. Mm, um, mm. Because really, you know, unless you're like Justin McIlroy, who works for the CBC here in Vancouver, um, who's also on the spectrum, but he's an amazing tracker of facts. And he puts out these graphs every day on Twitter about like the, you know, COVID and whatever, and they're incredible, but he's so he's so focused on like the details and the facts and the numbers and the statistics because that's how his brain thrives. Right. Um, whereas like if I was asked to do something like that, I'd be like, um, does this say 45? I don't know. Let's just make it 46. I just feel better. Like I just would like, you know, just fudge it because whatever, that'd be more interesting to me. (laughs) (laughs) And with something like, you know, facts during a pandemic is more important that you have the actual real data to work with. Right. Yeah, the vibes are less important. Yeah, vibes are less important. You don't want people to die because of something reckless that you did, right? But yeah, it's just uh, just interesting to kind of think about that, like when it comes to storytelling, mm-hmm. as I'm kind of, I don't know if you feel this way too, but every time around kind of late August, early September, it kind of feels like a time of renewed energy for me. I start to feel excited creatively again, want to get my duo tangs out, my pencil crayons, so, you know, this kind of back to school energy before my creativity got like kicked out of me um this year doesn't quite feel like that but there is still a glimmer of it do you feel that like where it's like absolutely it was it's funny because i was literally so of course it's uh, august 31st today so that means that tomorrow's september 1st and we adhders of course love to start things on a nice round significant date Mm. um so yesterday i was doing uh some planning for like you know um basically a, a plan to kind of uh, get some more merchandise out the door um, and really just focus on selling stuff um, in the run-up to Christmas because that's like basically September through December um, in the past have been when I've made usually 50 to 60% of my income from that business mm. uh, in those few months because that's that's just Christmas shopping and all that stuff. Um, so I was kind of putting together a plan for that yesterday. And yeah, and I had that literal exact thought of just like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'm like getting my energy back. And it is, it's a very back to school sort of vibe. That's, that's absolutely Mm -hmm. the thought that I had was like, oh, it's like September 1st. And you're kind of like gearing up to start a a different thing or like um, Mm -hmm. put renewed vigor into something. Mm -hmm. Um, And isn't that a real kind of back to school vibe? So a hundred percent, I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I also like, I don't want to do what I've done in the past where it's like back to school. And I get all excited and then I burn myself out in two weeks. <laughs> so I just go mm, like, mm. you know, pace my energy, pace myself. You know, this class that I, this or certificate that I'm taking starts in like later September. But in the meantime, I need to like have more things coming in the door. So there's more invoices going out and, you know, hopefully yeah. working something part time. Um, but yeah, it's kind of uh, that, that. And I also like, this is, I will say, my favorite time of year in Vancouver, like autumn is so pretty in this town like it's it's almost embarrassing like you're just like walking down the street and the streets are like crimson red leaves and like gold and like oh my gosh yeah i just like i love fall here um me too yeah it's it's just a wonderful time of year because the temperature is a little bit more along what i can cope with too because i don't like the heat 
this year the heat has been <laughs> off the charts. Um, so yeah, I, I do feel like I'm so glad that we have these conversations too, because we were kind of tentatively not going to meet today or talk because of all the family stuff. And I'm glad we are because I already feel better. Like after yesterday, kind of going into my, my, uh, grief stuff and then sort of coming yeah. back out of that, I want to kind of focus more hyper-focus on, on what's the potentials are right. Like there's some good stuff happening. Um, I've done some good stuff in the world. I want to do more good stuff in the world. I want to create. I want to collaborate. I want to tell stories and and focus on that instead of, you know, whatever douchebag investor is doing up the road. I don't I can't control it anyway, so I may as well just let it go, yeah. you know. Um, I just try to feel well. That's important, too. Mm-hmm. Like, especially now. <laughs> I, yeah, I got to agree with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, I saw the numbers again yesterday and I was like, oh Christ, I'm just not, I I can't, I just can't, I can't do it. (laughs) Yeah. I think we, I think we hit 11,000 cases or something yesterday in Alberta. So it's a, it's a little, little bit of a struggle right now. Um, Mm. Yeah. So on the, on the other hand though, I have, I feel like seen uh, a slight, uptake in mask wearing again which is positive um mm. but still you know it's it's just kind of it it really it, it's hard not to feel disheartened um especially when i see people with kids under 12 you know walking around in the grocery store or whatever without a mask and it's just like like i know that kid's not vaccinated like <laughs> and, and i just it, it's just surprising that either I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not that they don't want to take care of their kids, but there was unfortunately so much misinformation at the start of this thing about like, oh, kids can't spread it. Oh, it's impossible for kids to get COVID. And it's just, which never made a fucking lick of sense in the first place. But, you know, yeah. um, there's that old thing about like, you know, when when someone has a tweet with misinformation that goes viral, even if they do a follow up that you know is is fifteen asterisks and mea culpas, <laughs> um, that that one is going to get about a fifth of the reach tops that the misinformation one got mm-hmm. right, and so it's kind of the same thing where we heard all this shit at the start about how you know, um, masks aren't that effective and, and, uh, about how kids can't get COVID and all these other things. And unfortunately, like a lot of people still are treating that as gospel. Yeah. 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 We did see that when we were out about, um, out, uh, walking around downtown Vancouver. And I just like, my heart sinks when I see it. Um, and that's the thing that just really kind of, it just gives me such pause and it's like, okay, so now, after that, just like one day of like a grand total of like three hours of being out in the world, I don't want to go to anywhere near anything like that again until things are better. I just can't. Like, it's just not good for my well-being to like uh, yeah. see that and know that I can't. I can't reason with somebody who doesn't want to know, right? And it's it's exhausting to try to do it. I don't even come close to it online because I know what the you know, the rabbit hole is there and I don't want to go there. Right. But I just, I just really wish that people would understand that their behavior impacts other people. We do live in a society. We've made an agreement to be together in a society, you know? Um, so you have to kind of think about that, that if you decide you don't want to get the vaccine, then somebody's grandmother's going to, could die and that will be your fault. Yeah. I think a lot of that, though, um, is is, and this is not my original thought. I'm I'm synthesizing someone's tweet that I can't remember right now. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, you know that that a big part of that is because the 
health is treated or, or poor health outcomes, health issues, whatever, are treated as an individualist failing, mm-hmm. uh, both here and in the States. Here, less so because we have socialized medicine. But, you know, there's this idea of like, oh, well, if you got diabetes, you shouldn't have got diabetes. You should have been eating better. Mm. Um, or, you know, if if this thing happened um, and there was anything at all that you could have done to prevent that in terms of lifestyle choices or whatever, then it's on that person. And that's like uh, not only their individual failing, but like a moral failing as well, that they allowed this thing to happen to themselves, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, so it makes sense that with a – with messaging that, that that health is up to the individual having been hammered into a lot of people's heads over the course of their entire lifetime, it makes sense that a lot of people don't, not not even necessarily don't get, but maybe don't care about um, the, the power of collective action, combined action, I guess. Yeah. That's why, so I, I feel like there's an interesting thing with so many of the people who are vaccine hesitant or anti-vaxxers are, you know, like people who are fucking in really good shape. It's mm-hmm. like health lifestyle influencers and and yoga dudes with ponytails and <laughs> crazy esoteric tattoos all over their bodies and you know, someone that if that if you pointed at them at the on the street and said, "What kind of politics does this person have?" I would have been like vegan yurt liver um but you know and 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 there are a lot of vegan yurt livers that are also anti-vax and Mm. and that's just been really interesting to kind of like see that because that's that that just to me exemplifies that idea that like if i keep myself happy if i keep my temple whatever um um flourishing then that's all i have to worry about but unfortunately that's not how viruses work it's not it's not a thing like like gaining 10 pounds where you can uh put in the work to kind of undo that yourself it's just it's a virus it doesn't give a shit whether you have a six-pack or how much kombucha you drink Mm -hmm. or whatever like it's it doesn't care (laughs) and and that's yeah that's so well said jordan and yeah that's a you know I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's funny when you, you bring up diabetes too, because one of the podcasts that I was editing, it's, um, one of the women, woman was talking about how she, she was a fitness trainer, just like one of the like most fit people you could ever meet. Right. And, uh, at 40 years old, she was diagnosed with type one diabetes and you usually get type one as a child, type two yeah, as, a, as a kid and this like incredibly fit, but she was under a lot of stress and, so I guess she developed this autoimmune condition that started attacking her pancreas and she wasn't getting enough insulin. Wow. And so she ended up having to get treatment for that. But this is like, you know, I, I share this story in as broad a way as I can because it's not my story to tell. But, you sure. know, this idea that, um, the, and I've heard this narrative over and over again, oh, it's just people with pre-existing conditions. Oh, it's just this. And yeah. it's not true. Like there's lots of people that are fully fit and fine and healthy that die from it. It's just like the people just makes people, it just makes people feel better. Well, I did yoga today, so I'm fine. Like, and, and I don't want to go too much into it because it just causes me so much stress to even consider that lack of care for the community that that's where I get really hung up and it's hard for me to move beyond it. And I have to kind of, yeah. I have to hold nuance because I do know there's a lot of people out there who can't get vaccinated because of autoimmune conditions or disabilities yep. and, um, and they're at a lot of risk. Um, so are there, um, my heart is just kind of going out to them because they feel like they're being dismissed 
and being considered as uh, disposable because other people mm-hmm. are choosing not to protect them, you know. Um, but yeah, don't want to end on too sad of a note because it's yeah, I can feel my my mood going. <laughs> anyway, here's a crystal. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, <laughs> what, can, can can you hold that up again for a sec? Yeah, looks like a diamond. I was going to say, is that an amethyst or something? It is an amethyst. Yeah, I think I nice. got it last year. So it's funny because out of one side of my mouth, I'm like, do the right thing, follow the science. Then I'm also like, here's a crystal. Well, again, like we talked about um, <laughs> on the belief systems episode, uh, it's it's not necessarily that you think that this crystal is going to release magical crystal energy while you sleep or whatever, but it's just more about maybe the symbolism of it or the comfort of it or or just feeling like you can control some element of it mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, um, Amethystia, the crystal goddess, is going to release her healing wavelengths. <laughs> like- <laughs> Namaste, bitches. Namaste. Right. Yes. Well, I definitely contain multitudes, right? So, the, you know, it's kind of being gentle with myself about that. And that's really well said, Jordan. Yeah, that it is that. It's kind of representative. And this one, too. This one's supposed to be good for, like, kind of getting over yourself and, like, doing the work that you need to do to be creative. Is that green? Yeah, I can't remember. Is that a malachite or something? Maybe it's malachite. I always forget the names of them, but I really like, it actually looks like if, if you can see it up close. Yeah, I can see. It's got that kind of bowling ball, uh, like, yeah. well, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but that kind of lacquered almost looking finish to it. Right, but it actually looks like the Wi-Fi signal upside down. Oh yeah, it if totally you, does. If you this way, it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of ripples in a pond effect. Yeah, yeah, I've had this one for a while. But yeah, it's it's nice to just kind of have things like that. They're just, they're kind of grounding, right? But I don't think that they're, like a goddess is going to emerge or a genie and just go like, poof, all your problems are solved. Ta-da! I've got a lot of that stuff too. Um, I, I used to collect, uh, <laughs> I, I, can't, I, I was going to say collect rocks, but I'm just laughing here. Did you ever watch Breaking Bad? A little bit of it, but I didn't get to the end. Yeah. Well, there's, there's just the, so there's this one subplot that when the brother-in-law Hank is, is on, uh, leave, he gets super into collecting rocks. And (laughs) when, when his wife says something about like, oh, blah, 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 more rocks came, he freaks out. He's like, they're minerals. (laughs) And and that just, it's, it's one of the all time, like funniest comedic TV moments for me, in my opinion. But, um, (laughs) yeah, so, so I have a bunch of minerals. I used to collect minerals when Mm. I was a kid. Um, so they're not here at my desk. Uh, but you know, they're over in the other room and I've got a whole bunch of different, um, what do you call it? Calcites and, and a couple of pyrites and, uh, some geodes and things like that. So yeah, you know, it's, again, it's not something that I think is going to, uh, fix my chakras, right. um, but it's just cool to have that stuff around even as like, even, even the way that people would use like a worry stone or whatever, just to kind of like roll it over in your hand while you're thinking about something. So yeah, almost like a fidget toy in a way. Yeah. yeah. Which I've never considered getting. That could be a whole episode for us because I know we're coming to the end of our hour. I've never used them, but maybe there's something to look into. Yeah, um, my uh, my sister, she she bought a few of them for my, my nephew, those little pop bubble ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Renee sells those ones. And yeah, I just like, I haven't, I, I've sort of futzed around with it while we were hanging out or whatever at their place, but I don't think that that's something that, or at least that particular version of it doesn't really hold that much appeal for me. Mm. Um, I'm just, I'm usually just constantly turning my pen over in my hand and rubbing my finger along the like raised printing and that kind of stuff. Um, so maybe something like those, there's fidget pens that I've seen that have ah. like a little kind of, um, 
it's almost like uh like 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 a gooseneck arm on the top. Um, mm. Instead of having like like a clip, it's got this little kind of bendy gooseneck that you can um, bend around and, and twirl into different shapes and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that might be something that would kind of fit more my version of how I would use a toy like that. But yeah, mm. something to look into. Yeah. Um, so do we have any other <laughs> big ideas we want to talk about today? Now that we're coming up to the end of the hour. I don't think so. No, I don't have uh, don't have anything else. It's been nice talking to you, though, and um, yeah, and and I hope that we can both kind of uh, uh, keep on pushing forward and and keeping our mm-hmm. our heads together the next little bit. <laughs> yeah, just try to stay grounded. And um, we want to say thank you to our patrons, patrons or patrons. I always get that mixed up. Uh, I, I tend to say patrons because okay. I'm, you know, thinking about it as like, you know, these people are patrons of the arts, yes. just like, uh, just like people who would commission works from Mozart or whatever. Body um, dog. They're commissioning podcasts from us every week. So. <laughs> I love it. So thank you, Lindsay, for joining our um, patrons uh, this week. And we've also got Paige and Brianna and Jill and Dave. Yeah. Thank you so much to Lindsay B, Dave M, Jill B. Uh, Paige N and Brianna G for your your patronage on Patreon.com. And of course, if you would like to join them for as little as a dollar Canadian a month, you can do that. There are transcripts of uh, the episodes as they go up. And uh, we're going to be going back and um, putting up transcriptions of the previous episodes going forward too. And eventually you'll get a little bit of extra print content on their essays and whatnot. So mm-hmm. and now that it's back to school time. Tappity tap, tap, tap. Get back on the page. Yeah. Get it done. Back to school. Time for us to do our homework. Yes. Time for us to start writing again. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I hope if, uh, especially if you're down in the southern United States, I hope you're keeping safe and I hope you're well. And uh, um, yeah. And everybody that listens. And one last thing there. Um, as we said midway through the episode, um Feel free to drop us a voicemail. Let us know what you do to get out of an anxiety spiral or catastrophic thoughts or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What are your coping strategies? Or do you go down uh, soap YouTube as well? <laughs> I want to hear about it. Yeah, me too. We'd love to hear from you. That would be great to hear the stories on that because I'm always looking for ways to kind of like level out the jaggedness when things get uh, hectic. Yeah. And there's a siren to end the program. Excellent. Fitting our, our constant state of emergency. A constant state of emergency, living next to uh, Broadway. That'll do it. Thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit, I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at, you guessed it, holy shit, I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now and hyper focus on the positive. (laughs) 